0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions. My name is Courtney.
1: And I am Carl.
0: This is episode 93, and we're reviewing Spy Family, part one. As always, there'll be spoilers throughout this episode, and I feel like this is probably season one, part one, right? Because we're barely scratching the surface of this anime.
1: Yeah, I think as the anime had concluded, which would have been yesterday at the time of this recording... They released an official trailer for part two, which is supposed to come out later this year in October, and so we'll probably touch upon that uh, during our discussion. So yeah, I would say this is probably going to be a season one, part one.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm excited for part two. Spy Family Spy Family was uh, something else. But before we jump into that, um, we do want to mention that we are four ratings away on Spotify before we reach our goal of 100 ratings. So thank you everyone who left us a a rating since our last episode. We jumped up quite a bit. So we're so close. So close. If you're listening to us and you haven't left us a rating on Spotify and you're on the iOS or Android app, head over to Strictly Anime page. You can find the star underneath our name. Hit that. Leave us a rating. And with four more people, we'll be at 100 ratings. And we'll have hit our goal. It'll be great.
1: Yeah, we'll have all our, our Stella stars. Is that what they were called? <laughs> Stella? I think, yeah, they're, they're Stella. called Stella.
0: I can actually remember what the Thunderbolts are called.
1: <laughs> Those are like ton, t- Tonitris bolts. tonitrus sure. bolts. That
0: sounds right. I'm not sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, we, we appreciate all of your guys' Stella stars for our Spotify reviews. So keep them coming.
0: And on Discord, we've actually surpassed 80 members. That's pretty cool. It's... It's a good group of people. It's cool seeing the Discord grow and it's uh, it's fun chilling with everyone there because I feel like everybody that's on our Discord is chill. Everyone's a good time and we have really good conversations about random shit.
1: Yeah, I know there's a, a couple of bright stars in our Discord. I'm using so many star analogies now. <laughs> um, I would love to hear, I know there are like, we have some of the users who might just be lurking around <laughs> and I'm, I'm guilty of that too but you know what? i'd love to hear their voices too but uh, 80 people in the discord that's just that's crazy
0: i mean shout out to the lurkers because i am normally a lurker on pretty much every social media platform except for discord i feel like Discord's the one place where i feel comfortable actually talking and sharing my opinions on things because every discord that we're a part of besides our strictly serious discord is full of great people that are, you know, decently welcoming of all opinions. So I'm starting to come out of my lurker shell a little bit. But hey, our lurkers in Discord, we love you too. And speaking of love, if you love our podcast, if you enjoy this episode and all the discussions and reviews that we do, Consider supporting us on Patreon. $2 gets you a special Discord role, a shout out on both of our podcasts, Strictly Anime and Strictly Jojo, as well as access to our show schedules. So you can see what episodes are coming up before anyone else. And for a bit more, you can also get access to things like our exclusive pre shows, our bonus episodes, our QA, and everything else that we offer there. So check it all out over at patreoncom the Strictly series.
1: Yeah, there's quite a lot of content right now for. People to peruse on patreon so definitely check it out uh, we talk about a lot of different things a lot of random <laughs> shit <laughs> yeah talk about dick fight island <laughs> yeah, I, I knew you were gonna bring that up <laughs> hey that was uh, that was just one of the, our, our fun topics we also
0: talked about lamps
1: lamps balloons <laughs> yeah <laughs> everything under the sun we talk about over on patreon so yeah definitely check it out if you'd like to support our podcast
0: and hopefully we're not sounding um, too tired or too groggy for this Spy Family review. We've actually had quite a, a busy weekend, and we're recording this just on you know the, the end of Spy Family Season 1, Part 1, because we wanted to be pretty timely with this episode, but man, it's it's definitely been a, a busy weekend.
1: Yeah, putting this episode together at the 11th hour, <laughs> it's, it's kind of a struggle right now, but I, I do have... Some coffee with me here to energize me. but yeah, these past two days have been quite a whirlwind because you had cousins that came in from out of town that we wanted to show around the town.
0: I did. Yeah, my cousins came in from Milwaukee and we what were we doing yesterday? We went on a brewery tour. And then we went to other breweries and tap rooms and just drank a shit ton all day and ate a bunch of food. We got ice cream. Because as we, we assume it from was very gluttonous <laughs> them being
1: from Milwaukee. They're <laughs> probably into like the whole beer scene, which they
0: are, <laughs> that's for sure. And then today we grabbed brunch, more alcohol. And the reason they're in town is because they're attending AEW Forbidden Door. Guys, I'm not a wrestling person, but... a,
1: A collaboration between AEW, which is All Elite Wrestling, and NJPW, which is New Japan Pro Wrestling, for an event called forbidden door
0: there you go thank you for googling that yeah i'm not a wrestling person i i appreciate it i i know that they love it um and there's a huge fan base behind it and it's actually i think at united center and apparently it's a sold out show so it's a pretty big deal but yeah they're in town for that so we figured while they were here we would do some other fun stuff mostly drinking
1: yeah although i'm, I'm not a big wrestling fan the earliest memory I have of like wrestling is playing I think WCW had a a game on the N64 that I would play with my cousins but I I really wasn't into the wrestling scene Um, so I'm not familiar with a lot of these these names that are supposed to be featured in this event but I think it's kind of cool that it's a collaboration with um, this Japanese pro wrestling association
0: we can maybe you know tie that in with like what we do here because it's like Japanese pro wrestlers and we talk about Japanese anime. Is that a stretch? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe.
1: <laughs> I mean, from what your cousin was telling me, this is a pretty significant event in the wrestling community, partly because you don't really see many collaborations between these two. Like wrestling associations. Uh, again, I'm I'm not well versed in what's going on in pro wrestling, but I know that AEW is is separate from WWE. Right? That's what it's called now. WWE. I think. Not WWF.
0: I think that's what it was called when we were kids.
1: Yeah, because I think you had WCW and WWF, which were the two big. Uh, wrestling promotions out there and then i think they merged into wwe but now you have aew all of these acronyms
0: <laughs> i looked up wwf and of course world wildlife fund comes up yeah. <laughs>
1: but yeah i think again this is significant because it's a collaboration not just between two promotional companies for wrestling but it's uh one from japan because i know like with with the world slowly opening back up, you have these opportunities to collaborate across borders now. And so I'm, I'm sure it's going to be an interesting event. We'll have to follow up with your cousin and or your cousins on how it went, but hopefully it, it's pretty exciting. I, mean, I know we saw like a couple videos of the featured wrestlers yesterday. Like we were on a YouTube binge and yeah, that, that kind of brought back some childhood memories I had of watching wrestling events with my cousins.
0: That's how I was too. I don't know the names of any of these old school pro wrestlers, but when you we were watching the videos, I was like, oh, that guy looks familiar or that guy looks familiar. I remember watching that guy when I was a kid. That was like the extent of my knowledge of pro wrestling. But hey, it looks like a good time and the hype is real for this event. All right, let's talk about Spy Family. What were your initial thoughts, or what are your initial thoughts on part one of the series? Because I'm going to call it a series because I think this is going to be something that's a, a long-running show because, like I said, we're, we're barely scratching the surface here.
1: Uh, I think this is one of the shows that was also, like, there was a huge hype train of people riding into the premiere. And normally i i don't i don't follow a lot of hype trains at least i i i claim i don't I, there might have been some before i think maybe for star wars i ride a hype train but when it comes to anime i think i'm a, a little bit more cautious about what the community says uh so with this one i again i knew that there was a lot of buzz surrounding the spy family or the spy family manga getting an adaptation, uh, and after watching the show, in its or part one in its entirety, I, I did enjoy it. I, I don't know if I would <laughs> maybe, like right now, consider it as amazing as a lot of other people are, are praising it as. But I, I, I do like the kind of slapstick comedy that the show kind of infuses with the whole spy and espionage genre. What what about you though? I feel like you probably <laughs> you are probably a lot more hyped for the show than I am.
0: Okay, I don't I don't want to call it hype. I, I feel like I I genuinely enjoy the show, but who knows? Maybe a little bit of that is kind of the the hype surrounding it, but. I love it. I, I think it's a genuinely fun show with great pacing that keeps the story moving, keeps the characters developing, and keeps me as the viewer engaged. And it has a lot of great humor and a lot of heart behind it. And again, there there's it's kind of setting up this this baseline, this foundation for the show in part one or f- the first core of season one. But I still feel like we got a lot out of it. And I don't know. I just think it's it's like firing on all the right cylinders or just hitting in all the right places where everything is coming together so well. And I'm thoroughly impressed with how the show is starting off.
1: Yeah, I think with this first half, I was probably expecting a little more out of it because I didn't realize until maybe like a couple episodes ago that this was going to get a part two. And so in that sense, I kept thinking that the the Series was moving kind of slowly, especially with Anya getting into uh, Eden Academy and having to get through establishing this relationship with uh, what was it, Donovan Desmond's son Damien? Yeah, uh, and having that kind of be the catalyst for Lloyd to complete his mission. Because, yeah, I think 10 episodes in, they, they were still kind of discussing how Anya was still struggling at the school and i kept thinking in the back of my head like you you only have a couple episodes left when is this all going to resolve but then i realized (laughs) again there's a part two and so yeah a lot of part one is just laying that foundation for what this world's about Uh, lloyd undertaking this mission which i think is probably the hardest mission for him not just because he has to gather information about donovan desmond but he also has to act like a father, <laughs> which I'm sure he's not, it's something that he's not dealt with in the past. And then also having to work with these other characters that kind of don't mesh well with the way he likes to operate things, like with Anya and with Yor, but them coming together despite their different backgrounds to, to help progress this mission forward.
0: Side note: If you hear any weird noises in the background, we are almost one week out from Fourth of July, so um, there's a lot of fireworks going off yeah, right now.
1: Neighbors testing out their fireworks, I guess.
0: <laughs> Everyone's very excited about Fourth of July, I guess. But if you hear that, just uh, just bear with us. How, uh, thinking about this show in the the category that it sits in, which is action comedy, I think it just it has a fantastic blend of action pieces in the spy espionage pieces with the comedy elements. I think that all of the characters are funny in their own right, and they all play off of each other really, really well, especially the Forgers. I mean, the three of them have great back and forth, have great banter, have great comedic moments. So I think that this show is a true action comedy, and I think it's also laying out this groundwork for something really, really cool and really, really promising down the road. I don't even know how far the manga is. Uh, I don't even know if they started to tap into like the core of Operation Strix and the core of you know what Lloyd and yours professions are. But I- I'm looking forward to getting to that point down the road, whether that's several seasons out, whether it's like next season, whenever it happens, I'm so excited to see that unfold.
1: Yeah. Going to Barnes & Noble on the occasional visits I make to Barnes & Noble, uh, I, I always look at the manga section and there's was, there was a table at the one that I went to recently where it's just all of these volumes of Spy Family just strewn out uh, on it. So I, I feel like it's probably still ongoing. Um, and yeah, original run March 2019 to present. So still going strong and yeah to kind of capitalize on what you were saying i i do like the the unique setting and concept for this show where it's it kind of has like these cold war overtones especially with the split between westalis and ostania like that east and west concept um and you can also see like the kind of 50s 60s what do you call it, mid-century modern elements. I love that, yeah. Yeah. the aesthetic. Uh, I I think you also even see this from other influences in other espionage media. I think more specifically and more prominently, like James Bond, the man from UNCLE, Kingsman, all of them kind of having that same aesthetic that's translated really well into this series. And I know people always make the... The comparisons of Spy Family with Mr. and Mrs. Smith, that movie with Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. Yeah. Um, I think on our Father's Day episode, I also mentioned how I think maybe with, with Lloyd's character in particular, he is kind of like uh, Vin Diesel in that movie, the pacifier. Which I told you about last week. (laughs) Oh yeah, and I was like,
0: "What the fuck is that?" I
1: don't know why I'm like I. I don't know if I'm the only person who remembers this movie coming out in like the early two thousands, but yeah, just basically taking a character uh, who's just very well versed in like espionage and tactics, getting them out of their element by putting them into this kind of fatherhood role and seeing how they roll with it. Uh, Yeah, I think that I appreciate that kind of. Like it's a, a setting in anime, at least from the ones that we've we watched up until this point that's, that's distinct enough where it doesn't deal with like, you know, like the, the fantasy elements or a slice of life elements or sci-fi. Uh, it, it's something that I think is pretty tangible, especially for Western audiences.
0: I will say there are some moments in the show that are over the top, but I was okay with that because nothing about this story is trying to be too realistic. I could easily suspend my disbelief when more of the the silly and ridiculous moments happened, like when a herd of farm animals come charging through the school courtyard. Like that was pretty uh pretty silly in my book, but it was something that I could see happening in the show because of the way that it's setting itself up. Like I feel like it's a nice blend of serious spy elements with the just goofy nature of the comedy in the show. And you, I think what I also enjoy is the balance between action and slice of life. Like I love slice of life episodes that we get in shows that aren't slice of life at all. Like when you're watching some, I don't know, some battle shounen, right? And then there's an episode where they're celebrating Christmas or where they're spending time at home. I love seeing how those characters behave in normal settings, like that rare glimpse into like their daily lives. And this show kind of gives me that as much as it gives me those cool spy missions. So it's kind of that perfect blend of the two.
1: I, from my viewpoint, I, I wouldn't say that it it's blends action and slice of life entirely well uh again i think it's just because with me looking at this as as a whole instead of as part one and part two uh this first part i feel like it it relied heavily on on slice of life aspects and i think the first couple episodes you do get these action sequences with with lloyd and some with your but for the most part, I, it, it's kind of like taking, the, again, these characters who are, are used to these epic situations and trying to put them into a, a slice-of-life box when you, you know that there's potential for them to, to do more than that. But I think there is a, there a kind of comedy in that where taking things, like taking characters as like fish-out-of-water in these putting them in these fish out of water scenarios yeah
0: I would definitely categorize all three of them your Lloyd and Anya as fish out of water in this pretend family that they're a part of I think Anya probably handles it the best because it's something that she she really wants is a normal family or quote-unquote a normal family Um, but it is funny to watch your figure out like how to be a good mom especially when she doesn't when she feels like she's the outsider in this family, and then watching Lloyd try to figure out how to be a father when he didn't grow up with a father. And I know everyone has their eyes on your as waifu material, but... I fucking love Lloyd. I, I I love Lloyd. Like he's he's husbando material and also a literal husbando. And I think it's a f-
1: is he a literal husbando or I is mean, it just a facade?
0: He's technically married on paper. I mean, they're forged papers, but it's- <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there's
1: a technical. If the country recognizes
0: papers. it, I mean, the country recognizes their marriage, right? So I would say he is literal husbando.
1: I would say he's he's still easing into the husbando role because they they haven't properly. Kissed yet? Whoa. Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I do have to say as well that it is a breath of fresh air getting an anime with working adults as the main characters. True, and they're in their late twenties, maybe even a little bit older than that. Um, but they're not portrayed as "quote unquote" old. Like that's amazing. I know we talked about that in our anime trope tier list episode. I think it was like. So to 88, where Sam from Anime Summit joined us. And it's nice to it's nice to get that. Like, I I like seeing adults um, portrayed as adults and doing adult things in anime. And this is certainly that type of situation. I think your is 27, if I read correctly. And I think Lloyd's age is unknown, but people estimate he's probably like a year or two older than you are.
1: Yeah, I, th- I'm, I just did a quick Google search. Your Forger's age is 27. Lloyd Forger is a handsome man of unknown age. A handsome man. <laughs> I mean, <okay>. And that's <laughs> not even his real name, right? They call him Agent Twilight.
0: I bet he probably doesn't even have a real name. It's probably just <laughs> Twilight. <laughs> or, I'm
1: sure we'll, we'll probably find that out later in the manga or whenever that gets adapted into anime, but...
0: One of my favorite parts of the series is Lloyd and his development. Like, yeah, I, I stand Lloyd because he's hot and he's a really cool character and he's his bond of material. But beyond that, he's he's very intriguing. It's, it's fun watching him slowly warm up to the idea of having an actual family. And I would say in the beginning of their relationship as a pretend family, Lloyd doesn't even think of Anya and Yor as anything more than like pawns in his mission. Not in like a bad or malicious way, but more like a practical way because mm-hmm. he's got to achieve his, his mission. He's got to achieve that goal. But as time goes on, he starts to genuinely care for Anya and want to be a good father to her and then wants to be supportive, um, a supportive husband to your. And we get a little bit of his backstory. We find out he was an orphan himself who never knew a real family, and he doesn't know what he's doing as a father and as a husband, but just wants to you know, be successful in his mission. But then, again, you, you get those moments where... He looks at Anya and Yor, again, as more than just pieces of this larger puzzle, but actual people he cares about and wants to do right by. So I enjoy seeing that. And also, I saw a screenshot, I think, in the first episode where it shows Lloyd's profile. And apparently, he wears black underwear.
1: <laughs> OK, <laughs> what about that? <laughs> I just is thought that... you needed to know that. <laughs> I will share
0: a screenshot of where, of the the moment it tells you that his pantsu are black in the discords that everyone can enjoy that
1: <laughs> all right well <laughs> there you we go if you want to be a, a, a great spy like lloyd make sure you have black underwear in your, <laughs> your dresser but as as you were going through your your thesis on why you like lloyd okay
0: i fucking love lloyd <laughs> let let me let me be okay <laughs> um,
1: I, I was thinking he's very similar here's my star wars ref- star wars reference he's very similar in nature to the mandalorian (laughs) where because of baby yoda yeah because like both these characters are kind of by the books they're they're very skilled and experienced uh lloyd as as a a super spy and with mando as a, a bounty hunter and then they they get this mission where it's them kind of having to protect a a child In their respective ways again Lloyd with Anya and Mando with spoiler alert baby Yoda and it again it takes them out of their element but I think that as they interact more or to speak more with spy family as Lloyd interacts more with his his little spy family (laughs) he starts to realize kind of like yeah it's great that he's a spy and all and he's skilled in these things but finding out what are the more important things in life, which is to connect with others and, and raising a family and empathizing, uh, which harkens back to, like, The Incredibles, that, quote, no man is an island, right? I know I, I just went from Star Wars to Disney I, Yeah, <laughs> I'm like that <laughs> meme with the lady in all of the math equations.
0: <laughs> Wait, they said that in, in The Incredibles?
1: Yeah, that was the, the first movie. That was, like, the reason... Why Mister Incredible got his family involved in the, the the conflict?
0: Oh right, I love that movie, but I haven't seen it since like it first came out. So, yeah, I'm and a then the, rusty.
1: the t- I think the island in that movie was called No man is Land because it was no man is an island.
0: Whoa, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> How clever! Uh, while we're talking about characters, I do want to mention. Yes, I ship Lloyd and Yor. Who fucking of doesn't? Course, yeah. However, I think I ship damien and Anya almost as much. They're so fucking cute. They're really fucking cute. You're giving me a face like, what no, the no, fuck? No, no. Because <laughs> now
1: I'm I'm thinking like on, <laughs> on Twitter. I don't know how it came up. Maybe like the the algorithm just thought I wanted to see them. There's a lot of there's a lot of fan art of like an older Damien and Anya.
0: I've know, seen that too, and it's lovely. fucking adorable. <laughs> yeah, really. It's I just think so it's so cute.
1: It's it's odd because I'm I'm thinking of them as their... I don't know how old Anya or or Damien are, but you know like the grade school characters, and just seeing them all growing up. It's like I haven't we haven't gotten to that point in the anime. I don't know if it ever reaches that point, uh, story wise in Spy Family, but. Yeah, maybe that's just the <laughs> the me the me who wants to stick with what's canon currently.
0: Um, Damien I looked it up. Damien is six and I believe Anya is a couple years younger because when she's introduced in episode one she lies and says her age is six but but she's actually probably four or five
1: mm, I kind of remember that
0: but I, I think it makes sense because I, I like to think that that fan art of them as like teenagers shows that they've built a, a relationship and have grown closer but I just, I love them. I think a big part of that has to do with the fact that, yes, Damien is a total Sundare mm, boy, mm. and I love Sundare boys. They're so cute. It's adorable watching him when he gets flustered about Anya because he doesn't want to admit that he has a crush on her like a true Cinderella, but he definitely does.
1: Yeah, I mean, those are, those are cute moments, of course, because he doesn't know how to to process his emotions, and especially because he's also, like, dealing with his reputation as the son of, the second son <laughs> the, 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 the second son of Donovan Desmond which I forget what his title is and I think he's just an important figure in Ostania's government um so him having to deal with the pressures of that but also trying to like wrestle with his feelings for for Anya
0: going back a little bit to Lloyd and Yor Shout out to all the Oregairu fans out there. It's like Hachiman and Yukino are reuniting because Takuya Aguchi and Saori Hayama, I believe her Hayami, uh is her name, I believe. Did I write that down correctly? Hang Saori, on, let Yeah, Hayami. Hayami. Okay. Um they are the voices of course of Lloyd and Yor and were the voices of Hachiman and Yukino. So it's just cool listening to them.
1: Uh I just know Takuya Aguchi um quick Rundown, he did Hanma from Tokyo Revengers, Domas from Ranking of Kings, and Takeo from My Love Story. Did you know that? Yes. Okay. And then for Saori, she was Shinobu from Demon Slayer, she was Nishimiya in a silent voice. Which was interesting. Oh,
0: I didn't know that. Oh my God. And
1: she was Rachel in Tower of God. She was Rachel? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but I, like, I recognize her kind of sp- soft spoken voice, and, you know, it makes sense for, for Yor and Shinobu and all those kinds of characters. But when she gets mean, she gets really mean.
0: I also want to acknowledge the animation. I mean, how can you not? It's insanely clean. The collaboration between Cloverworks and Wit Studio is a powerhouse collaboration, and it shows. I think they've, whatever they're doing behind the scenes, they've definitely struck a balance between these two studios because everything looked fucking gorgeous.
1: Yeah, you were reading an article, and I think it was brought up by someone in our our Discord. I believe it was Drew. Yeah, um, where they this collaboration between... Cloverworks and Wit led to them, or I don't know if it led to them, but it, it was just part of them founding a, a new company, which is escaping me, but I'm, I'm trying to look it up. Oh yeah. Cloverworks, with Studio, Anaplex. Shueisha jointly established, established new Joan anime company. Uh, so who knows what, el- what other projects are going to come from this collaboration. But yeah, I, I can't... I can't fault this anime for not looking gorgeous. Like every episode just looks consistent uh, with like the bright colors, just how, how well animated the characters are. And, you know, I don't think there was any sort of dip in quality that I noticed. And I believe that article also mentioned like each studio takes like like one takes the odd numbered episodes and the other takes the even numbered, but you really couldn't tell a difference.
0: Yeah, it looks um, amazing on both ends, and I did look it up on our Discord. So yeah, Drew sent it from Sakuga Blog. I'll share a link in um, back in Discord again, just so that it's fresh at the top of the the, the page of the channel for everybody. But it was a really interesting read um, on how they're trying to basically balance things 50 50 between the two studios although I think wit kind of takes the helm here because they were first approached about the project I really hope that's right I'll I'll double check here Um, but it's a it's a great read and so I'll I'll share it back so everyone can can take a look at it And I know we'll talk a little bit more about O.P. and E.D. when we get to the episodic review. Um, However, music in general in this anime is absolutely fantastic. This is a great score to listen to every single episode.
1: Yes, and as a matter of fact, I believe the soundtrack for part one, which is titled Spy Family Original Soundtrack Volume 1, released today as of this recording, June 26th. And, yeah, the music was produced by No Name. Uh, Like, there's a really strange way of spelling it, but it's, like, the word no, like, to know things underscore name. Uh, It's a music unit, I guess, a a collaboration that specializes in anime songs and soundtracks, and this unit was where they were the composers for the Spy Family score. And... Yeah, I, I love the score, too. Uh, again, it's, it, it fits in with that espionage genre. And I was listening to a couple tracks of it. Unfortunately, the soundtrack is not on Spotify, but A Kind Soul was nice enough to put it on YouTube for everyone to enjoy. Um, and so I gave a listen to a couple of the the songs. The main theme is Strix, uh, which you hear in like the previews. And I think you can kind of consider it Lloyd's theme. I, I think it, it feels almost as iconic as you know like the James Bond theme um, and it just makes me think that anime saw so- anime soundtracks in general they just they deserve bigger recognition because they are on par with like film scores
0: yeah and this score in particular I think stands out because of how well done it is plus the genre that it's in i mean we don't have a lot of spy espionage anime to begin with so having this type of music i think is really going to stand out and stick with me at least for for a long time it's kind of like when you hear like the hunter hunter soundtrack like you know it's Mm -hmm. hunter hunter if i hear spy family like any of the songs from spy family i'm going to know immediately like this is this is spy family And Anya's theme song has to be one of the cutest theme songs I have ever heard in anime. It sounds like the kid version of Lloyd's theme song or the Strix song that you mentioned, um, where it's trying to match his like button up, clean spy sound, but it's like clunky and squeaky and awkward. It's like with a
1: school recorder. Yeah, the melody.
0: <laughs> and it makes sense because she loves that spy show. She knows Lloyd is a spy. She very much looks up to him and kind of wants to be a spy or pretends to be a spy herself. But it must have been so fun for these musicians to play their instruments all shitty, but like on purpose because they actually do like crack notes and stuff if you listen to the full version.
1: Yeah, I, I can't remember the name of the specific track where like you hear the recorder just go out of whack. Uh, but Anya's theme is called Plan B. And this is not- Plan yeah, B? I know, like, yeah, there oh. are connotations with, like, what Plan B means. Okay. Uh, in, like, conception or whatever. But this is in reference to, I think they called the friendship scheme in the show Plan B. And so that's where they got the title from. But it's Oh, okay, thing.
0: that makes sense. I was like, wh- what does Plan B refer yeah. to? But you're right, because Plan A is her getting all the Stella.
1: Yes. But she's- they like establishing enough. that friendship with Damien and getting enough Stella um, so that they can be part of Donovan Desmond's school gathering.
0: Wait, no, but isn't isn't plan A for Anya to get a bunch of Stella so that she can be invited? Oh, right, right, right. And then plan B, because he doesn't think, Lloyd doesn't think she'll be able to do it, is just become friends with Damien and get yeah. invited to his house?
1: yeah, yeah. Thank you for clearing that I
0: I hope. I hope I'm right. I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, I think it's a really funny song. I think it's great. It's the best song on the soundtrack so far.
1: So with all of our general thoughts on the show said and done, make sure to grab your martinis shaken, hopefully and not stirred, as we dive into (laughs) our synopsis and discussion for Spy Family, which is the 2022 anime adaptation of a manga series by Tatsuya Endo a collaboration between Wit Studio and Cloverworks directed by Kazuhiro Furuhashi. The series focuses on Westalis espionage agent Lloyd Forger as he enlists the help of femme fatale assassin Yor Briar and extrasensory orphan Anya in clandestinely fighting the extraordinary powers of the adversarial Ostania region using the relatively ordinary power of family. And I know, I don't think we've talked about this yet, with Spy Family, the title, it has the X like in between Spy and Family. Uh, just to give a little bit of background, I think the, the mangaka, Tatsuya Endo, uh, when deciding the final name, he came up with all of these options, but he decided to use the, the, the name in English as Spy Family and put a cross in between because he was influenced by Hunter Hunter.
0: Oh, okay. So
1: I think we had a kind of discussion as we're watching the show. um, Like, do you pronounce the X in Spy Family? I mean, I don't. I don't think most
0: people (laughs) do, but there are some people out there who pronounce it. I figured the X signified like the blending of this really unique family, like bringing Mm, together these these like characters who normally wouldn't be in a family.
1: Yeah, or you like you use X, you see X used in like collaborations. Yeah
0: like cloverworks x wit studio (laughs) for this project
1: but yeah if we're going by hunter hunter terminology rules the x is indeed silent (laughs) (laughs) and so in episode one or as they are called missions mission one operation strix agent twilight is westalis's number one super secret spy agent But he's about to undertake his most difficult mission yet by keeping tabs on Ostania's top dog, Donovan Desmond, through (laughs) a child? Under the alias Lloyd Forger, he adopts the secretly telepathic Anya from an orphanage and immediately regrets his decision when she gets him entangled in her own Ostania-sponsored kidnapping. Anya quickly curries favor with her adoptive father by getting a golden ticket into the same academy as Desmond's son but little anya's going to need a big mama to be a top
0: scholar a big mama <laughs> <What>? <laughs> i don't know <laughs> do we get the op in this first episode <laughs> um
1: i think we do but you know we traditionally just start talking about op and ed let's do it cuz um, i want to talk about the yeah i'm sure you want to talk about the op Hell, which yeah. is titled <laughs> Mixed Nuts by Official Dandism because that's basically what this family is, a bunch of mixed nuts. (laughs)
0: And Anya loves peanuts. It just all comes (laughs) together. It's great. Yeah, Official Dandism is quickly becoming a band that I'm interested in. Thanks to this OP and the OP for Tokyo Revengers. They're great and the lead singer has a fantastic voice. I've been diving into their albums as of uh, recently, but the song in particular is a lot of fun. That really has that espionage feel to it and somewhat kind of has Anya's perspective during like the bright, fun parts of the songs. And the visuals are just great. It's a cute mix of art styles between, you know, the, 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 I was gonna say cartoonish, but all of it is technically cartoonish, but the more stylized, artsy looking parts during the verses and then during the chorus when they go back to the anime style um, and show mm-hmm. some of the action pieces. I, I like the blend. Normally, that would be tough to make those mesh well, but I think they did a good job with this one.
1: Yeah, like you said, I think first half kind of focuses on that that artsy aesthetic. Uh, had similar vibes to, like, Catch Me If You Can, the the opening for that film, which I know I, I mentioned in our Great Tender review, their OP also had that sort of, sort of look. Uh, another thing that I, I kind of, was comparing this to in my head is going back to Disney. There's, there's a Fantasia 2000 um, film that Disney released where like Fantasia is just like all of these different music shorts that are, are set to animation. And they did one for Rhapsody in blue, which is a popular like jazz classical composition by George Gershwin. And they're, the, the style that they kind of used in that musical short, I, I thought it, it was very similar to, I call them Anya's walking cycles. And, you know, I, if, if, it, if I find a, a link to that musical short, I can share it on the Discord so you can kind of compare and contrast. But yeah, second half is you see Lloyd and Yor in their prime at their jobs as they kind of transition from being spy and assassin into their family lifestyle. Uh, so just a very visually stunning OP mixed in with, again, uh, official Hige Dandism's fantastic sounds and
0: vocals. Mixed in with mixed nuts. there you go.
1: And yeah, I think like I was listening to uh, official higate Dandism's their the most recent album because you had shown me a couple of their songs and I, I thought they were just, you know, a, a, a typical like Japanese rock band. But listening to like mixed nuts and their other sound. Like with mixed nuts, you have <laughs> I kept thinking of like these nuts. I don't, that's just <laughs> an aside. But um, you have the lead singer who has this kind of soothing rock voice, but it's against this this sort of big band sound. Um, kind of makes this feel like a James Bond opening in a way. But yeah, they they're becoming a a really unique band for me.
0: We'll tweet at Don and ask them to change the title from Mixed Nuts to These Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God.
1: And yeah, I guess lyrics wise, um, chorus uh, is translated to home full of secrets and patches. You know, even though I chew up the real emotions, they still don't disappear. They're still stuck in my teeth. My life is so insecure and drifting and I know every day is so mediocre, but I'm here and so are you. Um, I, I want to say this is kind of from Anya's perspective. Um, with her saying every day is so mediocre, but I'm here and so are you. I think that's kind of her, like with her being in an orphanage for most of her life, now finally getting a family. She kind of just appreciates the, the quote unquote mundane side of family life, even though she has two parents who are far from mundane. And ED wise, we have comedy by Gen Hoshino which we know, Hoshino, <laughs> <laughs> we well, know, we know. Um, oh, as... I was like, why are you laughing? What's funny about <laughs> that? Oh, it just sounded the same. But he voiced Buddha from Saint oni which we reviewed a couple, not a couple episodes, but I think... Um, a little while back. Yeah. Uh, this song is vibes, like just a chill vibe, slow tempo groove. Another thing, or another ED or or segment that focuses on Anya, like the OP, as she kind of walks the line between her family and the stuff that she does on the daily. Um, Even lyrics-wise, this too, with the chorus, Every Day With You makes my life a comedy, which is where the title of the song comes from. Our daily lives full of laughter will continue on. So I think, again, this is just Anya's perspective on her longing to be a part of a family and just enjoy it to its fullest
0: yeah the song is a fucking vibe i i I totally agree i actually put this on when i'm working because it's just so nice to listen to and i love i love that both the op and the ed are from anya's perspective but the ed in particular has a lot of cool just like little moments like when damien is on screen anya makes her her classic smug face and i also love that they show her on her designer chair from her version of the manga cover i think it's Maybe volume two? She's on the the cover in one of those cool designer chairs. And I think all of the manga covers feature a character on a designer chair from that era. I saw an article about it on Anime News Network and I'll link it um, in the Discord because it was a fun read. Like just seeing all of the really cool chairs that these characters are sitting on because I feel like I am the type of person who would look at all of these manga covers and just like not even think twice about the chairs. But knowing that there's some history there and some intention around the chairs that they're sitting on and the chairs that are specific to that character on the cover um, I thought a lot of a lot of thought and, and intention went into it so it was cool to kind of read through that
1: yeah it's kind of a neat little easter egg almost like seeing fashion references in Jojo's Bizarre yeah. Adventure yeah
0: So I would say this is a really great first episode. It hooked me right away for this show and kind of kept the hype going the whole episode with some really nice pacing. And I felt like it's established just enough information for us to get a sense of who these characters are and what the plot is. And that's really what the first episode should do. I think it's it's kind of frustrating when you have an anime where the first episode leaves you feeling confused or like not invested in what's going on because the first episode is the hook if you don't nail it on that first episode you're gonna lose a lot of people and I th- I think they nailed it here with episode one or mission one
1: yeah I think you kind of see that uh, like a kind of like an elevator pitch for these anime which makes sense because they're adapted from manga and like I'm sure the first chapter has to do enough to hook the reader in uh, but yeah. This is just a nice, like a kind of condensed version of, of what's going on in the world. Just to kind of clear up, because I know we were confused about this before recording. It's it's Lloyd who's part of Westalis, uh, the country Westalis, as part of the WISE secret organization. And they're, they're engaging in espionage acts against Ostania, which is their neighboring country and lloyd is tasked with investigating donovan desmond who is the leader of i think the the reigning political party in ostania and is planning to start a war
0: okay yeah that sounds right i don't know for some reason I, i have a hard time remembering like which country lloyd is affiliated with and which one Anya and your are mm-hmm. affiliated with and, and where this is actually taking place, yeah, but yes, so it sounds Alst- correct. Yeah, Stanya
1: <laughs> is where I think the ma- a majority of this story is taking place.
0: And in this first episode, of course, we get introduced to Lloyd. We get a little bit around his personality, that he's a spy who also has a heart of gold because his goal is to become, or his goal in becoming a spy um, in the first place is to make a the world a better place for others. And then I think this is where we did get a peek into his backstory where he was portrayed as very alone as a child. Like we, we see um, how how he – I don't know. It looked, looked like he was like a, a child who maybe lost his family in a war or something because the setting that he's in is – very much like full destruction. We also get a peek into how gruesome his profession can be, um, where he, I think at one point in the episode even surprises himself by relaxing a bit when Anya passes the entrance exam. And then where he wakes up in a panic when he realizes he allowed himself to fall asleep in front of someone else and instinctively thinks that Anya's trying they're going to try to kill him. Like that's it was funny to watch those moments, but when you think about the deeper meaning, it actually has a pretty dark side to it.
1: Yeah, I, I, I didn't think of it like in that sort of dark way because I had forgotten that Lloyd had grown up an orphan and kind of has to like fend for his own. And that's why he's so like by the books and just precise with everything. Um, I, I, I kind of saw it more as, you know, like because Lloyd is like just naturally this, this skilled uh, espionage agent, that he's getting used to these sort of emotional connections with people, especially with Anya kind of curling up next to him on the couch. Um, and then him even wanting to, to rescue her, um, from that hostage or like that kidnapping situation. Um, because he, he feels like a, a bit of, of, of attachment to her, even though he doesn't want a child to be part of his mission. Um, kind of planting the seeds for that but yeah i can see how now it's kind of tied into his his pretty dark past
0: that's a good point too because i think at the end of the episode lloyd looks at anya and thinks okay things might not work out with this particular child i'll take her back to the orphanage then she can just like live her life and be or whatever then he realizes like is that really going to put her in a better situation Mm -hmm. is that going to give her the best opportunity and this is where we start to get That development with Lloyd or kind of see him flip back and forth between being a spy and being like a father or like a you know a genuine good person and we'll have more of these examples as we go on through the episodes. I was also worried about Anya in the beginning just straight up because typically in anime when you have a child character that's voiced by an adult it doesn't feel like it's being voiced by a child it's it feels like it's being voiced by an adult playing a child where clearly they don't sound or behave anywhere like a child would however i was pleasantly surprised right off the bat with anya's voice actress um the character herself is super funny um she's also very useful having telepathic powers but the cherry on top really is the voice acting i actually thought for a second i'm like oh shit did they cast a child voice actor for anya's character and i looked and i'm like no it's an adult but she's doing a fucking amazing job
1: yeah the va is atsumi tanizaki um she actually did juju from my dress up darling oh okay um she did mujika from promised neverland and tome kurata from mob psycho 100 which was the female classmate who was trying to get mob to go into the that club
0: And I'm looking here. She's Emporio. Oh. That's why she's... Okay, when I saw her face on like an interview, I was like, why does this person look so familiar? I should have looked. Yeah, she plays Emporio, which is... We recognize her from some of the promo material that uh, they put out for Stone Ocean. So there you go, Emporio.
1: And I kind of like... um, In this episode, they introduce Anya as test subject 007. It's a nice reference to to James (laughs) Bond. Um, And also just the fact that she has these telepathic abilities kind of giving her almost like 11 vibes from Stranger Things. Granted, we only watched the first season of Stranger Things, so (laughs) can't say much on that front. But just how that kind of adds a a new element to the show moving forward. Um, It's, you know, like Anya always has these surprised faces or shocked faces whenever she hears the thoughts of either Lloyd or Yor. But as we'll see in coming episodes, she she uses this ability to her advantage when kind of like gaining favor with with one of them or helping them out in a situation or even at at the Eden Academy where she also kind of tries to use it to help advance herself at that school, but it's not too much success. Uh, Obviously, this first part um, doesn't touch upon like why she has this ability, but I'm sure that like that's something that I'll... Be curious about moving into part two or even in subsequent seasons of, of Spy Family. In mission two, secure a wife, you're gonna be in for a treat with this episode as we learn of a secret female assassin in the Ostanian capital of Berlin whose secret identity is in jeopardy at her administrative cover job until she runs into Lloyd at a tailor shop and their faux marriage plans become sewn together. In what could be considered the most explosive first date night ever, Lloyd rushes to his appointment whilst doing cleanup work from his previous mission, and our steer agent seals the deal with Yor, and using a grenade pin as an engagement ring, shows very literally till death do us part.
0: Yor is great. I get why she's waifu material. She's fantastic. Um, And in this episode, we get some of her backstory right away, similar to Lloyd in the last one, where we find out she's not as, like, I don't want to say well put together, but, like, as buttoned up or as on top of things as Lloyd is. But she's more of a transformative character who goes from somewhat of an airheaded person to, like, a full-on assassin when she hears about you know, a new mission that she's got to complete or a new person she has to assassinate. So it's kind of cool seeing her um, and and seeing how she interacts with Lloyd because, again, like, Lloyd knows what he's doing. He's on top of shit, but he puts on a facade when he, you know, plays the father or the husband versus Yor, who's genuinely being her normal self, um, but hasn't really shown anybody her full assassin mode yet.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like a... Uh a switch flips in her head that takes her from this, from this kind of airheaded personality to someone who's just really honed in on their assassination skills. I think they refer to her as the the thorn princess um, as her assassin um, identity. And I I believe we, we saw her in action in this episode and she's, she's wearing that black outfit that I, I see now everywhere. Her like, iconic dress. Yeah. Um, with cosplayers. And, and now there's like a, a figure, like a, what do you call it? Like the teapot figure. A teapot. The noodle, the noodle stopper figure.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, there is? There's a noodle stopper of yours?
1: I think it is where she's like sitting on top of something. Or maybe it's just a regular figure where she's just, you can, you can put her on the side of a shelf and she's sitting.
0: Oh, uh, it's her pose from, I think her, wait, wait, wait. Pop-ups. I don't want to save 10%. Thank you, though. Um, it's her pose from her manga cover, I believe. That's how she sits on the chair that she's in. Oh, The, okay. the chair that she's on in her manga cover.
1: Is it a noodle topper or is it just Noodle a, stopper, yeah. Noodle stopper, okay.
0: That's cute. I like that.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, with this, the seeing her in action in this episode- I was hoping to see more moments like this throughout this first part, but I feel like we barely see any more of, like, Igor's backstory until we are introduced to her brother. But even then, we never see her in her assassination missions like we do with uh, Lloyd.
0: I'm sure we'll get more of that maybe in the next half the next core mm-hmm. but you're right this was very much focused around the first core was very much focused around lloyd and around anya and yours still kind of becoming part of the the bigger story so i i imagine we'll get plenty of her uh, moving forward i i do really like the proposal part of this episode i thought it was very cute it was very on theme it it was perfect for this type of show it was over the top with explosions and bad guys chasing them and Lloyd used the ring from a grenade as the ring he proposed to her with and all the while neither of them thought anything suspicious about the other person throughout this whole (laughs) sequence and really this whole entire core. I'm like, I'm amazed at how smart these characters are but when it comes to each other and their professions they are completely oblivious.
1: I'm curious if like that grenade pin proposal was an homage to something but um, I, I think that was, like, original to this anime. I could—maybe someone can correct me. I, I thought—I don't know if, why I thought, like, this would be something out of Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Um, I've only seen clips of that movie, by the way. What? It's a good movie.
0: <laughs> we'll watch it. Then you'll have context for the rest of Spy Family.
1: In mission three, prepare for the interview. Having completed the thermonuclear family needed for his mission— Lloyd sets up a mock academy interview for Yor and Anya that goes quite as well as eggshells on toast, and subsequently plans an upper-class family icebreaker for the trio that barely scratches the surface. However, Anya crushes through the glacial barrier by secretly partnering her parents to put a pause on a pickpocket's plans and earns the faux family praise from his victim, thereby putting Lloyd a little more at ease with his hastily huddled household.
0: Again, with how smart Lloyd is and how capable Yor is, how do they not think twice about what the fuck's happening in this episode between the two of them? I mean, doesn't Yor jump over the railing and like sprint down this hill to go chase after the the guy that's stealing purses? Yeah, I'm like, well, how does Lloyd not look at that and think what the fuck is happening?
1: I have that kind of lingering at the back of my head too. Is like, wouldn't Lloyd as a uh, uh, Part of a super secret spy organization, do a thorough enough background check on Yor to ensure like who her connections are, what her affiliation is. But he kind of just doesn't. I think
0: he kind of did because he had like, I don't know, resumes almost for various women hmm. like through in the area. And when he saw Yor in the last episode, he kind of like, the guy has obviously like extremely like like photographic memory and he was like skimming his brain to remember like who Yor was of the women that he was researching but i i imagine because Yor works for the rival nations or the other nations like secret agency that her information's on lockdown just as much as Lloyd's as Twilight is on lockdown
1: mm. okay but then he was able to see through like Yori's facade. But
0: not through research, only because he knew mm, about, and true. we'll get to that, but only because he knew about the training that they go through. Yeah. Or something like that. Um, and so he was able to put two and two together.
1: Okay. Oh, well, maybe there'll be something down the road that kind of clears up why Lloyd kind of just overlooked that, <laughs> but I don't know.
0: Maybe it's love. Okay. Yeah, it's love. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you see that, Pepper. He doesn't realize too. it yet, but it's love.
1: <laughs> and you know i know we we're going to talk about anya a lot throughout this discussion but here i think in this episode <laughs> particularly i i think i mentioned this in the uh the spring impressions episode too i i think anya has big dw energy dw from arthur which i don't mean negatively by the way i know one of our patrons kevin like me saying that <laughs> she has DW energy kind of riled him up a bit but I think in terms of like you know Anya is just very naive she she is a four or six year old or however old she claims to be Um, and just says a lot of things that are like just really out there especially in like the mock interview from this episode she has a similar hairstyle to DW maybe that's where I got it from but also like she knows when to Rise up to the occasion when Lloyd or Anya need help, and that's where she again she taps into that telepathic ability to track down the the pickpocket and, and get curry favor for this family by getting them to apprehend apprehend the the suspect in front of the victim. So, yeah, you know, props to Anya because I thought she was gonna be. Super annoying in this series, which she, thankfully she's not. I I've learned to to accept her because she's a she's a far fetch from Frederica from eighty six. Holy so. shit! Yeah. Oh my
0: <laughs> god. Frederica. Um, for anyone who's watched eighty six, Frederica is the epitome of the annoying anime kid. Where, like I said earlier, it's clearly an adult voice acting a child versus someone trying to genuinely be a child. Um, And just like an annoying child character who just every time she's on screen, I just want to rip my my hair out. Here, Anya, she offers so much to this show. And I get why she's the focal point of a lot. Like I I know Lloyd technically is the main character of the show, but Anya is the focal point time and time again. And I think it's nice, too, that between the three of them in the Forger family, each of them has their own distinct personality and their own distinct ability that offers so much to what's happening in the story. And that includes Anya. Like, she's not just some kid that's going through the flow and going to school and was adopted and now trying to get, you know, uh, you know build relationships with her family. Like, she actually plays a larger purpose with her, her telepathic abilities and... I think we'll see more of that as the show goes on.
1: I think it's because she like, treasures how much it family means to her. Again, because she was grown up in the orphanage, and we haven't heard a lot about her backstory yet with her earning or getting her telepathic abilities, but I'm sure there was some kind of childhood trauma there too that makes her really appreciate this family dynamic that she's now in. And so she doesn't take that for granted, and we see later on like she... I guess she does what she can to make her, her pretend papa proud and, and to get along with her pretend mama um, I guess just because she, she treasures this thing that people might take for granted. In mission four, the prestigious school's interview, the forgers forge onward to Eden Academy where Lloyd notes that their every move is being observed against Housemaster Henderson's Barometer of Elegance including Anya's quick reaction to a barnyard breakout. Despite the interview going as planned, one housemaster sabotages Anya's self-assured spirit until best papa Lloyd punches his way in to protect her dignity. While housemaster Henderson justifiably knocks the living daylights out of that house bastard, the forgers try to keep their heads up and await their results at home under the sleeping nightlights.
0: The first half of this episode was good. The second half was the best. I I really enjoyed watching them do everything that they were doing as part of the actual interview. Um, Parts of this overall exam, again, like in the first half, were a little over the top. Like the kids stuck in the grate, the animals escaping and having to change clothes three times. Um, but I, I love the pacing that we're getting here because it's only four episodes in and we already have the main characters introduced and the exam is taking place. Like They, they just kind of keep things moving along um, at a good rate. I also really like how we get another moment of Lloyd's kindness. He tells himself not to get worked up and Questions why he's getting so defensive over his pretend family members. But then, you know, he's like slowly realizing that he does genuinely care about them. And then on top of that, you have Anya crying about her mom, which was super fucking sad. And I am really curious now about her past. Like something hit her really hard during this interview when they brought up her, her actual mother. And I'm like, what the fuck happened? What happened to this poor kid? I need to know.
1: It was when that uptight house master i think i think he asked anya to write her old mother and her new mother is that right
0: yeah i think so or compare them in some way
1: okay i didn't think i didn't think of in the context of like who like what happened with her old mother because that brings that up an interesting point i think i think like i took it as like the house master was just so critical of of your and Anya knew like of Yor's true nature, and that's what kind of made her upset. But now oh. I see it as like a... No, it could be like a comparison of how like Yor has treated her so kindly in, in comparison to what Anya's biological mother might have done to her.
0: I, I took it the other way that she remembered her biological mother and then something arose in her that, that made her start crying which got me to wonder, like, what the fuck happened with her, with her mother, or with her parents, um, that you know led her to be an orphan with telepathic powers. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe it could go both ways. Maybe it could go either way. Um, but something really, something really triggered something in Anya and caused her to have quite a, an interesting reaction.
1: Yeah, and either way, that guy was a dick. So he got, yeah. what, he <laughs> got, he got what he deserved. In mission five, will they pass or fail? Well, spoiler alert for that title, because with Henderson's intercession, Anya is accepted into the academy and the family celebrates in a drunken stupor with Lloyd's fluffy-haired informant, Frankie. When the latter makes a suggestion to continue the festivities with an elaborately themed spy party based on Anya's favorite TV show, Lloyd hesitantly acquiesces to please his pink-haired princess with the help of his wise co-workers and a drunk-off-her-mind yore. His hard work pays off in the end as Anya feels emboldened to do her best at My Eden Academia for her pretend papa.
0: This episode was so fucking good. And I I know that it kind of had some filler elements. Mm -hmm. I know one of our friends said it felt like a filler episode and I kind of agree. Um, However, I, I think it did establish that relationship building between Lloyd and Anya, especially at the end when he embraced her. It also shows that Lloyd isn't totally using Anya without thanking her or thinking of her Um, because I think it would it, be kind of weird if he's constantly, again, using her as a pawn in Operation Strix to get closer to Donovan without ever doing something to make her feel appreciated or to recognize her or to help build that relationship. So I think there was maybe not like a super obvious uh, tie-in to the overall plot here. I think there still was some sort of tie-in.
1: Yeah, maybe that's because you know, Lloyd, his actions go kind of unnoticed. or like obviously they're they're for the greater good when he takes these missions, but he never himself gets like a like a, a celebratory or compliment. Or like celebratory compliment from from wise. And so, like with Anya getting into Eden Academy that was just a mission accomplished for him but then here again yeah, it's it's establishing that emotional relationship with Anya that starts to open him up a little bit more and you can kind of consider his empathy with these these I guess co-agents in his family <laughs>
0: <laughs> and when the episode started i was like okay this is going to be dumb episode it was a weird premise but like i said i ended up loving it the show itself is silly and ridiculous at times and it doesn't take itself too seriously and i think this episode is a great example of that and i mean the highlights they're just i have a whole list of them here so lloyd of course is great in this episode because he's obviously out of his element for the first time in his career as a spy having to treat anya to this like over-the-top celebration for her getting into school. But he makes it happen and he says it's for the mission, which, yeah, it is. But he gives her everything she wants with little resistance, probably because deep down he really cares about her and wants to be a good father figure to her. And it was so, so fucking funny seeing how embarrassed he got to put on that costume and act out lines in front of the other agents. Like that was pure gold to me.
1: Yeah, I wish Lloyd were my father and put together a <laughs> grand party for me. Yeah, this is like we get a peppering of action sequences, and there's definitely a lot in this episode, as absurd as it is. And then with you know, drunk Yor, I always love seeing that character come out of her. Um, And then at the very end, like she's kind of Lloyd's final boss, and she goes into this drunken master mode, and then she just slips and then falls falls asleep. (laughs) I just thought that was. Oh, like that was just great comedic timing. But then here, it's another point where you have to wonder why Lloyd isn't questioning where Yor is getting these combat skills from. But-
0: oh, 100%. <laughs> We're all sitting here like, none of this raises any red flags with you, Lloyd. Like, what the mm-hmm. fuck? And that fight between Yor and Lloyd was so fucking cool because the way they animated her was incredibly realistic. Like, sometimes they over... Um, over, like, accentuate female characters fighting in anime, which is totally fine if it fits that aesthetic. Like, I think about, um, I don't know, like, Magical Girls or whatever. Like, it's just very over-the-top movements. But here we see a very raw, real portrayal of yours fighting abilities. And she was putting Lloyd in a fucking corner. Like, she was, like, literally boxing the shit out of him. uh, It was was great. And then, like you said, she breaks a heel and then falls asleep. And that was it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> she literally disintegrated his gloves when he was blocking her kicks and punches. I was like, "Damn, this this chick is tough," and yet Lloyd doesn't think anything about it.
1: Maybe you can just chalk it up to you know some people get stupid amounts of adrenaline where when they're drunk and think that they can do anything.
0: <laughs> I mean, she did tell him that she's really good at self defense or like took self defense classes. But mm. I I still think Lloyd's being kind of dense here. Yeah, I also really liked the agents fanboying over getting to see Twilight in person and in action, and getting um like super into their roles as the quote unquote bad guys in this whole celebration for Anya. It was absolutely hilarious, and whoever was animating this one, whether it was CloverWorks or Wit, they were pulling out. All the stops just for this fun episode where they were play fighting. Because what the fuck? They didn't have to go this far with the animation, but they did. The entire thing was animated with such a high level of of quality and with such clean, fluid animation. It was so nice to watch. Even them just trying to shoot each other with toy guns, right? Or Lloyd trying to like run from point A to point B while little balls are getting thrown at him. It's just... It was so over the top in the greatest way, and I, I could easily rewatch this episode over and over again.
1: Yeah, it was definitely a highlight of, of this first part of what I assume to be season one, especially because, as, as you said at the beginning, this could be considered a filler episode, but yeah, you know, all the stops were pulled out, all for Anya's sake. In mission six, the friendship scheme, Anya gets dressed to the 009s for her first year at My Eden Academia, while Lloyd is briefed by wise admin Sylvia on how the fate of the East and the West relies on our miniature eccentric psychic's ability to gain good noodle stars and earn a spot at Desmond's school dinner party. Yor prepares Anya for her first day in quite unorthodox ways, while Lloyd pulls strings for his faux daughter to end up in the same class as Desmond's son, Damien. The titular friendship scheme immediately unravels, though, with the emergence of the internet's newest meme face, smug Anya.
0: As I mentioned earlier, I love the blend of action pieces with slice of life pieces, because here we go from Lloyd, I think, having breakfast or something with his family to entering a secret area via a photo booth as like the fucking bomb ass music starts playing in the background. That was really cool. I think is when he was going to see his boss for like some update on Operation Strix.
1: Yeah, Agent Handler Sylvia.
0: And then right after that, we get to see some relationship development between Yor and Anya. And it's nice because Anya, or I think Yor rather, feels like Anya's actual mother after the whole situation that they go through. I I think Yor is still not fully infused in this pretend family. I think she's still at this point, you know, after twelve episodes has this feeling of distance, but it's getting better and better, you know, as she spends more time with Lloyd and Anya.
1: Yeah, I think she's still kind of unsure of her role as a mother in this, but, you know, as as she kind of defends Anya's honor against the 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 that group at the supermarket that were planning to rob them. Like I think Anya kinda cheers her up and and, and saying that she wants to be as strong as you and asks for for training her at home. Um, and that <laughs> it leads to the moment later in the episode where Anya punches the shit out of Damien. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's so talk like, about that mo- moment. Like mother, like daughter. That was such a good moment. I mean, for Anya to get in trouble on her first day, that was like Lloyd's worst nightmare. And he keeps mentioning his anxiety. And you could tell he's just so out of his element with this mission and lo and behold, she she gets into trouble because she punches Damien. I mean, he kind of deserved it, not going to lie, but I thought it was just like it added a little bit more to the situation when Anya looked first to see if the teacher was, was facing their direction before decking him in the face, and then the smug face that she kept giving right before that moment. It just was a great way to start off Anya and Damien's very rocky relationship.
1: I think she got that one- Tinnitus bolt from from the incident. Oh, too. that's right, she did. Yeah, I think what was it eight of those, and you're expelled or whatever. Um, so yeah, not a great start for for Plan B. And I like how at the end too, you you get the class picture that shows the family with like distraught faces then you also see Damien in the corner and he's just by himself
0: yeah I didn't notice that at first until someone posted a screenshot of the the picture and I looked again I'm like why is that little kid in the corner by himself and I think they do confirm that in a later episode um, Mm -hmm. they reference that photo but yeah I think that's gonna be a big plot point for Damien the fact that he's the second son of Donovan and that he uses the the Desmond name to his advantage at school, but really is he seen the same way as his brother who's his older brother who's, you know, a revered member of this family. I also liked um Becky. She has like this this bomb shaped hairpin, doesn't she? And her family owns like an arms manufacturing company. I thought that was a nice little detail for her.
1: Does she have a bomb-shaped hairpin?
0: I think she does does Let me look oh
1: up. yeah i see it it's like a kind of like the little bob you see in mario and there's a little star at the top
0: it's so cute i'm like what a nice little detail for becky and her family who make explosives <laughs>
1: <laughs> and of course i think the highlight of this episode is the meme face that anya makes which by the way there's a there's a dw connection here too because this kind of looks like a face that DW makes in a Arthur episode. I can post it on the Discord the, that image. But I now I see that kind of everywhere with Spy Family, you know, being the trending anime for this season.
0: It's a great face. Like the the Anya smug face is amazing. It's already a, an emote on our Discord server because why not? Why wouldn't you have that as an emote?
1: Yeah, it's great to just use it in your smug cases. <laughs>
0: I did notice that um, the way Anya speaks compared to everybody else is is a bit unique. Like Anya speaks in a more infantile way than the other kids um, who have more of that, as I talked about earlier, have more of that like adult portraying a child type of feeling to them. And at first I thought it was strange, but then I forgot that she had lied about her age and she's actually a few years younger than what she claims to be, which is six. So it's weird to think that she has to behave in a more mature manner than what is normal for someone of her age or where she's actually developed at that point. So she's, I think, intentionally sounding different in the way she speaks than the rest of the kids because, yeah, she's younger. And then on top of that, I also did notice that Anya didn't understand why the kids in her school had the same clothes on as her. And at first, I didn't think anything of that statement, but then I thought about it a little bit more and I'm like she's never gone to school before. And so she doesn't understand the concept of uniforms. She's always been in an orphanage where they just kind of wear whatever. And so it's like these little things, these little hints that they drop, you know, between Lloyd not wanting to fall asleep in front of other people and Anya not understanding what uniforms are that play into these characters' backstories that just make me so excited to learn more about where they came from.
1: Yeah, I forgot that Anya is technically younger than everyone. In her class, um, (laughs) as I had several notes for like subsequent episodes about like why Anya's so shit at school, yeah, (laughs) it's it's because she's young and she doesn't know,
0: she's trying to learn something that's above her grade level, technically,
1: right? In mission seven, the target's second son. Anya begins feeling both the pressure of keeping up her My Eden Academia studies and the subtle pressure from Lloyd to apologize for Damien for using him as a human punching bag, though he has developed suppressed feelings for her as a result. Yor, however, helps her faux husband to realize the strain he has put on Anya and eases up while reflecting on what it feels like to have a family. It won't be too late for our super spy to find out, though, as with the arrival of yours, brother, to the story, Lloyd will soon get a dose of a very finicky part of the family dynamic in laws.
0: This was a fucking wholesome episode for so many reasons. Uh, first off, we see Damien developing a crush on Anya, and I loved how we see all of the earlier moments of Anya again from Damien's perspective, and she's looking cute as fuck with those puppy dog eyes. And like, that is great. He, as much as he wants to deny it and and not make it true, he is definitely crushing hard on Anya.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's that kind of like a. I don't know if you'd call it puppy love thing but just seeing young kids young have, love yeah get flustered when they don't know how to deal with feelings of romance
0: it's so cute and then poor Becky when she was about to eat her lunch and then Lloyd called her into the office and they had that little moment right before they they changed um to I think after school where she's like who the fuck called me into the office she's like hello where are you you called me down here and no one's here <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah, that's to kind of give Anya a chance to apologize. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And Lloyd is proud of Anya for her genuine apology, but... Of course, the plan is still ruined. So he pushes her in the latter half of the episode to study. And let's be honest, many of us have been in that exact situation where our parents force us to sit down and try to learn something for a school and it becomes frustrating and you just break down or give up. I have been in that position many times with my dad trying to explain economics to me or other math based things. And I'm like, I don't fucking get it. It's so frustrating.
1: And then I think <laughs> Yor was also trying to help Anya learn division um, by splitting like the a gingerbread. But then she started to just realize like the number five looked like an S or something. So like, her, <laughs> like Yor obviously is of no real help to Anya's study session. But yeah, this, this brought back some memories.
0: And Anya's arguably under the most pressure in this family. The entire mission rides on her success, and Lloyd is pushing her for the sake of the mission, right? like He hasn't gone overboard yet, but he is pushing her. And she wants to make Lloyd proud, but probably at the same time doesn't want to fail because of world peace and the fact that she thinks that she'll be sent back to the orphanage. Plus, as we mentioned earlier, she's younger than everyone else at her school, so she's learning material above her capacity all while being bullied by Damien. Like, she's got a lot of shit that she's going through. And again, all of it is delivered in a very comedic way. But when you kind of stop and think about what she's going through, it, you kind of feel for her. Like, she's got a lot riding on her shoulders.
1: Yeah, and I like that your kind of helps Lloyd get to this understanding that, like, again, Anya's just a kid. Like, you you're you're basing your entire mission and putting it like putting it on her shoulders. But like, as you were saying, there's, there's so much pressure with that, that you can put on a, a, on a young child. And so like Lloyd starts to understand that and realize that like Anya is not an agent. Again, she's she's just a kid, but that he needs to have that nurturing nature as well as that kind of pragmatic nature with her um and i think he also just kind of ties that in with his job as a as a super spy agent or whatever that it's sometimes the the mundane missions that make a true spy like getting from point a to point b in a kind of slow calculated way instead of like just going in guns blazing i guess like you gotta work up to that moment
0: And Lloyd does have a lot of cute moments at the very end here where he tells Yor that she's not a stranger um, or a member of another family, but the wife of the Forger family. I'm like, oh, that's so fucking cute. And then he goes to check on Anya and realizes that she fell asleep trying to study and then puts her in bed um, and says he'll record her show, and he looks so proud of her. And then it was so funny when she mumbled in her sleep about you're not killing Lloyd, and he's like, what the fuck kind of dream is she having? <laughs> His face, too, the way they animated it. It was like very subtle, but he was like, what the fuck? Uh, I thought that was great.
1: Or is that a hint of things to come?
0: Uh, yeah, that's that's some foreshadowing right there. And then Lloyd thinks to himself that he's been tasked with being the ideal father for the mission, but then you see him start to want to be an ideal father instead for Anya's sake versus just for the sake of the mission. And then comments um, that he wonders what a real family is is like. And I think that hints again at his backstory where he himself is an orphan. And then I think we get that soft introduction in the post credit scene to Yuri.
1: Yes. And speaking of Yuri in Mission Eight, the counter-secret police cover operation. Anya still shit in school, so our attention turns over to Yuri, Yuri's younger brother and hush-hush member of Ostania's secret police, with quite the float-like-a-butterfly, sting-like-a-bee charisma. In his first visit to the Casa de Forger, Lloyd quickly discerns of his brother-in-law's true nature, but Yuri in turn tears Lloyd a new one, with his drunken protectiveness of his older sister and threatens to annul their marriage unless they kiss kiss fall in love right in front of him
0: well 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 yuri is a (laughs) siscon. he loves his sister but i guess they lost their parents when they were very young and she supported him so he wants to be the one to protect her which i i can totally understand um, and, and watching their flashback was really intriguing because she comes home covered in blood in these flashbacks, and similar to Lloyd, Yuri doesn't really think twice about it. And it's sort of sad, though, because she must have fallen into assassin work as a kid or somehow got, like, looped into it just to support her brother. So, again, like, everyone in the Forger family has a really rough upbringing or a really rough backstory. And I'm impressed with how the show seems to, again, keep the comedy going the majority of the time while still infusing these dark or sad plot lines. And very much that was the case watching these flashbacks between Yuri and Yor.
1: And, you know, like, with... Yuri he might we saw like in the first half of the episode they kind of play the good cop bad cop role with the them interrogating that suspect and then you think like Yuri's the good cop in this case but he quickly turns into a ruthless kind of torturer um, under the friendly facade and <laughs> I think that's coupled with how he is willing to do anything to protect. I think both his country and his sister, um, which is why he lashes out at Lloyd so much. And one of my favorite scenes in this episode is I think there's like uh news about like political diplomacy on the T V that's kinda juxtaposed with juxtaposed with Lloyd and Yuri shaking hands after meeting for the first time and just being very wary of each other. So it's <laughs> kind of mirroring like what's going on news wise with what's going on in this situation
0: yeah that was really good and i i love the dynamic here because you've got yuri who's looking for agent twilight who he sees as the enemy to Ostania, which is their country you've got lloyd who realizes that yuri works for the enemy to wise right or whatever like the secret police that that yeah, Yuri's a part of
1: it's like the state security service
0: And then you have Yor, who's trying to keep her fake marriage, of all things, a secret from Yuri. And then her assassin job, a secret from Lloyd. So, yeah, I think everyone here is is suspect in their own right. Um, I love how Yor got so flustered when Lloyd said that he was in love with her. I mean, why wouldn't she? But it was just really cute to see. And then I, I really loved watching Lloyd deduce that Yuri is part of the secret police. And I thought it was clever, the way he figured that out, as we mentioned earlier, I wasn't expecting a simple travel story from Yuri to be from a training manual for a government agency. And then not only that, but Lloyd knowing that the current info or the info has been updated since probably Yuri was in training, um, like the, the restaurant was now owned by the sun and that the wine prices went up. Like all of this is like really, really clever. The way they, they got Lloyd to figure out what Yuri's true profession is.
1: Yet he can't figure out what Yor's true profession is. <laughs> yeah, and speaking mm.
0: of Yor, they have that fucking cliffhanger of an ending where Lloyd is about to kiss Yor. And I'm like, what the fuck? Of course we have to wait till the next episode.
1: And it doesn't even happen in the next episode, spoiler <laughs> <laughs> But I also just love that he was able to think in the, like, what, 0.1 seconds of, like, a... Uh, like, a plan to show, like, Yuri what, like, like if they were truly in love. Wait, what was it? Like, he, he thinks up the plan to kiss Yor in, like, 0.1 seconds. I think they established that in the final scene.
0: Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember now, yeah.
1: Like, <laughs> I, I like how it's just a very minuscule amount of time where I think he, like, had so many thoughts going in his head and then he comes up with this plan like I don't know what I if I could think of that in like half a second. It shows how one seconds.
0: how like superhuman Lloyd's thought processes. I mean he's got like photographic memory and all of this stuff. He He's extremely knowledgeable, which again is probably not super realistic, but for the sake of, of his character, it, I think it makes perfect sense.
1: In Mission nine, show off how in love you are. Yuri cuts off the kiss in time to blueball the viewers, unable to bear the thought of another man planting his lips on his sister, who subsequently smacks enough sense into him to accept her choice of husband. Lloyd becomes quite sus of Yor and her possible connection to Ostania's secret police, but after some quote-unquote thorough investigating with Frankie, he realizes that she has Shinzo-woed her sasage to both her brother and her husband unconditionally. Lloyd later compliments Yor on a job well done in her role as faux wife and takes a cue from Bruno Mars in promising to both be just the way they are in their faux little family.
0: It was so funny watching Yuri the Siscon freak out when Yor was about to kiss Lloyd. And then your panics and tries to slap Lloyd, but he dodges it at the last second because, of course, he would. He's a skilled fighter. Mm-hmm. And then she ends up hitting Yuri instead. Like, the whole scene was ridiculous and hilarious. I think, honestly, my, my favorite part isn't even them almost kissing each other. It's Lo- just seeing Lloyd very subtly just kind of, like, tilt his head to the left so he doesn't get hit by your's like, insane power powerhouse of a punch. Like, that was just so great. <laughs>
1: Yeah, very, <laughs> very well-placed uh, comedic timing in this episode. Um, and yeah, we we see how much, like, I think how, like, drinking is just n- not, not a habit in this family, but, like, it puts this family in a, like, very, very weird personality.
0: It's basically your. Anytime she drinks, she gets immediately drunk.
1: <laughs> yeah, or even, like, Yuri, too, like... Oh As that's true. He was, true. He was pretty
0: flustered after some some wine.
1: Yeah. And so <laughs> the the for or not the forgers, the Briars, I think that that's their their actual last names. Mm-hmm. They they take the spotlight in this episode for sure. And then you see later on where you get a peek into Yuri's locker and it's just all photos of Oh your,
0: my god, he's like just, a an, a true siscon. <laughs> yeah,
1: just still fixated on his sister and just still envious of Lloyd's relationship with Yor, even though he's forced to kind of just accept it.
0: The second half of this episode is where he tests, Lloyd tests Yor, right? Yes. I think the important takeaway from episode nine is the character development that we see for Yor and Lloyd. So, like, Yor doubts herself to the point where she feels distant from this family. But Lloyd reassures her that it's best to be herself instead of trying to conform to some, like, idea of an ideal wife. And then you have Lloyd, who's doubting others, saying he can't trust anyone, even your. And it's a bit bitter to hear him say this or to hear him talk about your in this way after rooting for them and getting invested in their relationship and knowing how how good Yor is deep down inside, but from a practical standpoint, it makes complete sense that Lloyd would doubt her because he's been trained to survive. Um, and I think what's important as well is that he recalls Frankie saying that he shouldn't feel guilty for doubting Yor, but Lloyd does feel guilty at the end of the episode and smashes, what, like a the microphone? listening device. Yeah, that he planted on her. And then we see, like, we see him flip-flop all the time between family mode in between spy mode and this is just another example of that.
1: Which makes me think, like, if especially with this, like, once he does actually or if he does actually learn of yours true identity, which kind of which of his personas is he going to adopt? Is he gonna have to like take the agent persona or is he have gonna like embrace the family persona that he's developed with these Two characters with, with uh, Yor and with anya
0: and speaking of anya it really hit the feels when anya read their minds and was worried that they weren't getting along and tried to help not only because it's a child seeing their parents become distant and, and that's probably really difficult for her but also because anya had to stop herself from saying anything during breakfast because she's constantly in fear of being um like outed as a telepath and then being returned to the orphanage so I was like, oh, poor Anya. She she like feels like she can't do anything to help the situation. Like she looked really really sad at the at the table when she wanted to say something but couldn't.
1: But then you get the resolution at the end of the episode where she comes home and sees that the two are getting along. So
0: Yeah, nice, that was really nice.
1: Yeah, nice sense of closure there. And I think um, at this point Yor and Lloyd were celebrating their 1-year anniversary, so 1 year has passed up until this episode and
0: does not feel like a year holy shit yeah (laughs) (laughs) i do also want to call out lloyd saying that he can't remember the first time he felt envious of somebody else i thought that was interesting because he's never again had a real family and um he's reminded of this seeing how yuri and Yor care so much for each other and then frankie tells lloyd not to develop any unnecessary feelings for Yor, and i'm like well that's foreshadowing if i've ever seen it right famous (laughs)
1: last words (laughs) in mission 10 the great dodgeball plan back at my eden academia anya and damien prepare for an upcoming dodgeball tournament where a good noodle star is seemingly at stake but this tournament arc takes an unexpected turn when their team bears the wrath of the man the myth the legend the quote-unquote six-year-old prodigy bill watkins Damien sacrifices himself during the game to save Anya despite his reputation with his father being on the line and feeling inspired by his sacrifice, Anya summons her training from yore to amazingly and stupendously lose the game. On top of that, there was no good Noodle Star at stake. On top on top of that, Anya and Damien still have a strained friendship. Guess they should have dodged, ducked, dipped, dived, and dodged this one.
0: Okay, so plenty of great moments. You're whipping the ball at the speed of light was funny. Damien and Anya are cute as fuck. He sacrifices himself to save Anya, and she's in awe of that, and then gives him a smug face. Like, everything was just great, but who the fuck is this man-child student? What the fuck is Bill Watkins? Watkins? I was like, well, I was convinced that this was Lloyd because of his eye color, and then it turns out he's a legit student. And then when they had that flashback where he ran up to his dad and called him daddy and was only half his dad's height, I was like, ew, what the fuck is going on? Why is there a man child at this school? I like I need to know more about Bill Watkins. Like I'm horrified to know more, but I want to know more about this character.
1: See, I need to know more of Bill Watkins Will Bill Watkins, but I also just need more of Bill Watkins because he was the <laughs> He was definitely the highlight of this episode and which will, is kind of like the biggest dodgeball tournament we've seen in anime since Hunter Hunter <laughs> but Matt that was just that came out of nowhere and I love <laughs> I loved his his sort of cameo in this episode
0: like forget Damien's one henchman kid who has like that really tall, hairstyle that looks like something an old lady would wear i want to know more about bill watkins let's swap that kid out for bill watkins let's let bill watkins join damien's entourage because i don't know what the fuck's going on there with bill watkins but we need more of it i think like
1: (laughs) it was just the show's way of kind of establishing that he is an op as fuck character in this dodgeball tournament but like he in turn thinks that anya is op because she can kind of read whatever moves he's about to uh, about to make during the tournament and that kind of makes him go crazy and then (laughs) i you know you have anya kind of fucking up the the moment at the end which could have secured a win for her dodgeball team and then i think it was like from she was like a uh the star catch arrow it was like a killer shot that she had learned from Yor, and then it ends up being a dud and i like how she says like everything mama teaches me is useless at the end in mission 11 stella with anya's shitty study streak having no end in sight lloyd decides to take her to volunteer work at a hospital as an alternate route to a good noodle star though Anya lays just as much of a destructive path within the hospital's corridors. Things take a positive turn, however, when Anya uses her telepathic powers to save a young boy from drowning in a rehab pool with Lloyd's help, earning her very first good noodle star. Rumors swirl about Anya obtaining the star unfairly with the un- when the unlikeliest of sources, Damien, comes to her defense. Call it puppy love, perhaps? Speaking of canines, Anya is convinced by her friend Becky to seek a pet dog from her parents, both as a consolation prize and as a way to get close to the Desmonds. My gut tells me that it will be the big white floofer at the end of the episode with a photographic memory of things he didn't photograph.
0: I want to get a little serious um, real quick about episode 11. I think the most important part of this episode is also the most educational. Finally, we get a realistic representation of a child drowning and a character explaining why no one noticed. Most of the time, drowning is not accurately portrayed in media. Um, I, I believe... It's not common for a drowning victim to actually be flailing around in the water, making a lot of noise. Like usually their body kind of seizes up or freezes up and you don't notice that it's even happening. So I was very surprised at how, again, not only they portrayed that kid drowning in this episode, but that Lloyd actually took a moment to explain why no one realized it was even happening and we'll share a link in the discord um on how to spot drowning because i thought this was really great that they they called this out
1: yeah i didn't even know about all of this until you know lloyd being the encyclopedia of knowledge that he is just imparts very important like a very important psa for everyone on how to spout how to spot drowning
0: it's a great moment for anya too because she has one of her first realizations that her powers can be used to help other people and may not be all that bad but even in a moment of panic even in an emergency when someone's drowning she's still scared to reveal her powers to to lloyd for fear of you know being outed or something bad happening to her so at least she got that little bit of um Uh, a little bit of happiness that she was able to help someone using her abilities. And I hope we get more of that.
1: And we did get a lot of the, like uh, her kind of matrix scene where she like is walking or like running through the hospital halls to save the crutch kid. I noticed that there was just a lot of like these rotoscoped sort of moments in this episode, but yeah, I think it highlighted the intensity of her wanting to save this kid from drowning
0: and i know we're talking about a lot of important things with episode 11 um but almost as important as the educational piece is the fact that they hinted at the dog character i'm like let's go i want the dog i know about the dog because i've seen images on twitter and um i mean if you go on mal he's listed as a character (laughs) so yeah i mean and i I don't want to spoil his name but He's got a fantastic name that just is perfect for spy family.
1: And I thought we were going to get his story in episode 12. We, we don't. Like they just kind of leave it there as a, as a cliffhanger. Uh, but I look forward to just learning more about this dog. And in mission 12, Penguin Park, despite toiling mercilessly under Wise's orders, Lloyd takes Yor and Anya out to the aquarium to quell his neighbors' concerns about their broken family life. And once again, Wise butts in unwisely by tasking him to retrieve weapon intel being smuggled via Penguin. Anya secretly helps her pretend Papa by pinpointing the Penguin and having Yor pick apart the predetermined possessor of the package. With both missions accomplished, Lloyd gifts Anya with a penguin plushie that, through pretend play, she nearly uses to enter the forbidden territory of her parents' room. After coming off too strong to reprimand her, Lloyd and Yor forcibly play along with their foe daughter to cheer her up and get her a nice helping of her favorite snack these peanuts.
0: Ah, I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> so again, Lloyd teetering on that fine line of spy and father. And in this episode, we see him basically taking on side quests as he goes through his main quest. Side quests. And it's wearing him out. I mean, we've, we've all been there. Um, and at the end of the episode, when he... Thinks at first that he wants to take some time off. He looks at Yor and Anya and remembers how important his job is, um, and how he what he does ultimately protects children and really everyone. And therefore, he doesn't want to take any time to rest because he realizes that time can be spent working toward the the greater good. And
1: then he has to chase down a fucking penguin <laughs> for that greater good to come about. Like, like when they showed the opening shot of all the penguins that he had to vet. It's like, there's no way. <laughs> but then again, Anya comes in with a save by using her telepathic abilities to get Lloyd and Yor to kind of coordinate in this mission.
0: That's a That was a big reveal that she can read the minds of animals because if they're introducing a family dog, is she going to be able to read the dog's mind?
1: Oh, I would assume so. And that's another thing. Like, I think an earlier episode or the one where she was helping them find that pickpocket she had fainted remember because of just how much strain that had put on her ability oh that's right i'm surprised like or maybe it's just because she's learned how to control her ability now and have a mastery over it that she hasn't had that kind of moment again um i don't know if that's just going to be something like if she has to have like a huge task down the road that really stretches her ability to its limit where that'll like knock her out just as badly, but here she was holding down the fort.
0: I thought it was cool—not cool. I mean, cool is probably a bad word, but I thought it was unique that we saw Lloyd scolding Anya. Have we seen him reprimand her before?
1: I don't think like this severely, like like, you're like about an actual
0: the... parent like reprimanding their child yeah, for, level
1: for entering the or almost entering the room. Yeah. Right? I can't recall. Yeah, this is probably the sternest he's been with her.
0: And I mean, it makes sense because she could probably die with the stuff that's in their their rooms.
1: That's another thing too. Like Yor also mentions that there's dangerous things in the room. Like Lloyd doesn't get a whiff of that, yeah. realize anything. <laughs> uh, but then, like you hear a, you hear a child cry, and you want to do your best to make amends with them. So they put on their stupid pretend play plushy thing.
0: And both of them were blushing so hard that you could see it past the toys that they were holding. They're mm-hmm. both just like so embarrassed. But hey, they, they do it for Anya.
1: Yeah. And what a great little spy family we get, a spy family moment we get here at the end. And I would say like this was a very tame finale. Yeah, I was expecting it to kind of have a, a reveal for what happens in part two but it, it's just another like slapstick episode, which I, I thoroughly enjoyed, especially with the the aquarium scene. And then, you know, with Lloyd getting the disguise of that one worker and then you, you get that smaller side of that worker eventually being promoted to like the director. To the of, chief or something yeah. like that. And he's <laughs> like,
0: what? Why?
1: Like, oh, Lloyd, you are causing more problems than you know. <laughs> And that brings us to our final thoughts for Spy Family Season 1, Part 1, you could say. Um, I know that we reserve ratings for the very end of a season. So I guess, what do you think so far about this show?
0: I, I'm i loving it. Yeah, I guess um, a quick rundown. Animation, flawless. Cloverworks and Wit struck a great balance where... Not a single episode suffered, even with um, other single core anime that have incredibly clean animation. There's always at least one episode or certain scenes where you can tell they pulled back on production quality for the sake of something else. Like *Fena Pirate Princess had this happen in episode 11, where it definitely did not look as clean. Or more recently, as we'll talk about um, pretty soon here, Call Me Season 2 had this happen in yeah. episodes 10 and 11, where you're like, oof, this looks really bad. But here, every moment of every episode was beautifully animated. Music, amazing. The soundtrack is fire. They nailed that fun but intense espionage feel. Plus, the O.P. and E.D. are amazing with their songs and visuals. Voice acting, perfect. The cast is solid. And again, Anya's voice actor steals the show with actually feeling like and sounding like a child. Story and writing, fun and engaging. The pacing is great where every episode has a purpose for building out this world and moving the story along. Even if it does feel a little more filler in style or seems like a side story, there's still a tie-in to that larger picture and back to Operation Strix. So the story itself is just pure fun and it has some serious themes around family and duty and, and backstories and you can tell it's building up to something major and potentially dark like can you imagine what's going to happen when lloyd and Yor discover each other's real jobs and that they're technically on opposing sides mm-hmm. or what happens if yuri finds out that lloyd's agent twilight or what happens if anya Um, realizes that she's been helping Lloyd to reach Damien's dad and that the truth about his dad ruins their family, right? Or what about when we find uh, find out more about their dark past, like Lloyd as an orphan or you're losing her parents and raising Yuri or Anya, I think, was like experimented on with her telepathic abilities and lost her parents. All of that is super, super interesting. And sure, like this anime isn't some masterfully written body of work that will change the course of anime but for the type of show that it is which is an action comedy this anime lands just right in all the right places and has come together so well so thinking about other shows like it this one has had an amazing and very promising start with this first core and i cannot wait for the show to come back in october what about you
1: overhyped oh <laughs> just my kidding. god i'm kidding i en- <laughs> i enjoyed this show even if i wasn't part of the hype train uh it was just a a rousing action comedy about a dysfunctional family kind of reminds me of like a you know like that school group project where each member has different skills and motives and so no one's always on the same page but they just do their best to manage um i think w- with this first part, with the overall mission of Operation Strix, it was just moving a bit too slowly for me, uh, and the the kind of increased focus on Anya's role in this mission leaves very little to kind of learn more about like Lloyd or or yours stories. Like I, I figure maybe they could have tied in a mission of a, like a previous mission that the two characters had done with these certain episodes. Um, that they had to undertake that ties in with what's going on in the current episode, just to kind of give more context to who they are. But I think without that, the the series still c- provides a pretty good baseline for who Lloyd and Yor are. And I, I look forward to, you know, seeing more of the backgrounds of this, this spy family, especially with like, again, where Anya's abilities came from and you know, with Lloyd and Yor not fully knowing each other's backgrounds, if that's going to be like a bombshell revelation in part two, or maybe in subsequent seasons, because I know this show is probably going to get multiple seasons out of it. Um, Knowing what happens with the big white floofer that we saw in episode 11, because I'm sure we'll see him very soon as well. At least from the part two trailer that we watched, we I can't think we get a glimpse of Anya riding this dog at some point. Uh, and speaking of which, it looks like from that teaser that we got, things are getting spicier with, it looks like a potential series antagonist on the horizon. So I'm curious to also see like how this show is going to balance the that comedy aspect with the, the sort of drama that's going to come up in part two. But yeah, overall, this was a, A great, great viewing for part one. And I'm eager to see where the espionage goes next.
0: Yeah, I want to talk really quick about the teaser for part two. It's like, what, 30 seconds long. There's really very little context they give us. But I agree, it seems to be a darker half of the first season and like you said, they seem to be introducing a more immediate villain than the long-term villain that we have, which is Donovan Desmond. Donovan, Donovan Desmond. Donovan De- Desmond. Yeah. Donovan Desmond. Um, and yeah, I, I think they're gonna they're gonna fully introduce the family dog in the next half, which is gonna be great. I can't wait. I want to say his name, but I don't want to spoil it. So if anyone's curious, just go on Mal, really go anywhere, um, and find his name because it's. It's just a perfect fit. If you're
1: well-versed in the spy genre, I'm sure you can guess what the name is.
0: <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to yet another episode of Strictly Anime. Hope you enjoyed our discussion around Spy Family Part 1, and we will definitely be back with a Part 2 review when that wraps up, probably at the end of the year if it's coming out in October, right? It should be a... Win- a fall. A fall. Is it fall? Winter? Fall? Um, fall. Wait, what?
1: Yeah, because summer. (laughs) (laughs) Because
0: winter technically happens at the beginning of each year. Yeah. Okay, yes, for fall fall. 2022. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I look forward to that. And thank you guys for tuning in every week to each of our episodes. Subscribe to Strictly Anime on your favorite podcast service. Join our Discord to chat with us. Follow us on Instagram at the Strictly Series and on Twitter at Strictly Series. And check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com. If you'd like to support the show, then head over to patreoncom series and tune into Strictly JoJo, our other podcast dedicated to JoJo's bizarre adventure. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb.